Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Morgan Wallen, Controversy Continues. The top five highest paid musicians. And can Spotify prove itself? You're listening to The Biz Tape. Welcome to episode 43 of the Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Colin, with my co-host, Joey Wazaleski. Hello. <laughs> Joey, how are you? I'm doing great. We're getting way better at these intros. Yeah, <laughs> right. Time. No, I mean, I, not, I'm but. feeling good, Colin. I got a haircut today. Yeah, you did. I we? got a baggy shirt on. Yeah, you got this vibe now to you. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I'm changing. Show business is changing. I'm me, changing. Colin. I mean, we changed the set a little bit. Again, if you want to see us on YouTube, the biz tape and see what we're talking about with these plants that were nicely picked out by my spouse. Yep. So we're just trying to make everything a little better. Uh, also making everything a little better. Just a little bit. Now, uh, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter at the biz tape and email the biz tape podcast at gmail.com. The way you sa- said that, I was like, where's Conan? <laughs> He's yeah, in right. the room. Just a little. <laughs> Too bit for the oh, this is gonna be the worst thing. You know, it's a little bit bad. All right, <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna a open this cold. I'm gonna open this cold first. I asked our fans on Instagram. I said, "Who do you think has the biggest album of 2021 so far by streams and sales?" So those are the two metrics. So far, we're six months in, mm-hmm. um, and seventy percent of them got it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I put two options. I wasn't like. I, I will say this. I wasn't just like a, you know, a list. Yeah, it was multiple or, choice. Right. It was 50-50 shot. And rightfully so. I would have been wrong too because I would have picked this too because we've seen all about it. But that would have been Olivia Rodrigo Sour is the wrong answer. 
70% of them picked that. I would have picked that as well. Yeah. But I'm sorry to say to my personal and Joe's dismay <laughs> that the biggest album of 2021 so far by streams and sales by a considerable amount that I'm going to get to is the double album Dangerous, the double album <laughs> by Morgan Wallen. Gross. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm sorry. So the but gross the canceled singer, which clearly that's not going well in the canceling, uh, is on top after swift condemnation by the public and surprisingly the country music industry after using a racial slur in a release video in February. And basically, Rolling Stone puts the numbers really into perspective. Dangerous has netted two two hundred thousand forty or. Wow, I can't even say that. It's such a big number that I don't even like. <laughs> I can't even. It can't contemplate even. You can't it. comprehend it. Two hundred forty-one thousand album sales and two point three billion audio streams. Jesus Christ, man! Which is so much bigger than anything else. Olivia Rodrigo's "Sour," which is second place. So if you're on Instagram like me and the seventy percent, you weren't that far off. Yeah. It, Sour had 146,000 album sales and 1.5 billion streams. And in third, Justin Bieber's Justice, no, not just 72,000 album sales and 1 billion streams by album equivalent consumption. Yeah. So we got a wide range here. Again, Olivia Rodrigo's, you know, we, we talk about sales are important, but the streams are very important in terms of, I think, in longevity of people's careers and stuff like that. Is Olivia Rodrigo's at 1.5 billion. And we got Wallen here at 2.3 billion, which is close to almost a billion difference there. Mm -hmm. Almost 50% if we, you know, round up very generously. So many companies, if you remember, were distancing from Wallen. But it's, you know, it's kind of strange when you look at these numbers because you're like, I guess people are still going for it. But even the MRC who reported the sales numbers that I just read, uh, pointed out that they basically Rolling Stone was saying they were trying to center the entire data about Rodrigo and basically be like the winner of the biannual game for her song driver's license being the most consumed single. And it's not even mentioned until nine out of the 19 pages of the report that Wallen has the top album of the half year yeah so they were trying <laughs> they to were like really trying into the bureaucracy a little bit yeah they were they were they weren't trying to pull it out they were yeah. basically like we have to report this because we're the mrc now which the mrc is in charge of reporting data like that by the government in yeah. the united states so they have to say it but they don't want to be like you know, shoot off the fireworks, everybody. Wallen has the most streams. <laughs> you know what I mean? And even other like companies tried to do this, like the American Country Music Awards, allegedly, according to insider sources, banned any mention of Wallen on their program at all. Mm -hmm. And then Billboard, which their awards are based on raw chart data by the MRC, and they basically chose to acknowledge that Wallen would have been the finalists or one of the finalists of their biggest awards by their own rules. But they chose to wrote him out of the entire thing because they just were like, we're not dealing with this. Yeah. Um, and then all this industry discourse, you know, country radio got rid of them and everything. But I also want to count out, which is really weird because, okay, before I go into this tangent, one, their record label, well, war, Big Loud Records is what it's called, which is weird because Wallen doesn't really get associated with that. A lot of con like companies basically say like, oh, well, you know, their record label said that he's suspended, 
which most people said, what does that mean? What does mean? that mean? Because it could, it could just mean he's put on the back burner publicly. Right. But not necessarily. Like, obviously, they're probably going to still receive income from his. Yeah, music. they just said he was suspended, but they never, like, stopped distributing his record and have been profiting off of it, you know, being so big for so long. And it's one of those things that's really weird, which is why I'm mentioning it, that a lot of outlets just say his record label. But if you want to know what it is, it's big, loud records. Yeah. Is that which is they that include FGL, Morgan Wallen, Chris Lane, Dallas Smith, and uh, the the kid, the Walmart kid. Oh, Mason Ramsey. Mason Ramsey. <laughs> See, you know, so they're very proficient in the country space, but it's ironic because I don't feel like they, I mean, they probably did a lot of advertising pre- you know, him basically getting quote unquote canceled, which I don't think he's canceled because clearly, clearly he he's so much he's making money off right. of the record. Well, it, you're glad you mentioned that, but like he basically has had no advertising really. Like he's been kind of go like, and that's weird because the album has made $5.6 million according to Rolling Stone ca- calculation yeah. based on like album sales and downloads. But there wasn't streams. any strategic marketing. Right. Involved. Like it wasn't, you know, Olivia Rodrigo had all this stuff. She was doing like car washes. She was PR. She was at the White House she the other the week. Sour Patch Kids. Thing. Right. She had a lot of stuff and she's in second. So it's very interesting to see that like post February, basically, I think the album launched in january i believe yeah and, uh, around that time yeah it probably had really a month of pure pr that was like not just trying to you know circle back and be like whoa whoa whoa, 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 whoa you know like crisis pr mm-hmm. which i think is really interesting that he he only had like one month of true pr and then he got suspended and the record label still had the album out and people willingly chose to, to find him, him and support him when he's not in front of everyone's faces. I mean, it would make a little bit more sense if it was like by proxy. It's like, oh, well, you know, I was walking and we were in, I don't know, we were in a bowling alley and then all of a sudden Olivia Rodrigo's song came on. So I guess I'm an active participant in supporting them because I support them. But, you know, semantics like that. But you have to go out of your way to find Morgan Wallen because he's not in your face. Yeah, I mean, radio, radio airplay for his music was basically non-existent for the beginning part. And then I actually read uh, recently that a lot of country radio stations were beginning to play him yeah. again. And they kind of, it kind of trickled back after a lot of the backlash was kind of subsiding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it almost trickled back. There was rebels apparently playing it at the beginning. Right. There was a big, like in a lot of these rural areas, a huge upbringing to basically be like, we need to play this man, which I do not agree with in any way. So, I mean, first off, are are we surprised? Are we not surprised? I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm not surprised because... Okay, well, here, I'll put it this. Are you surprised, like, if you had to give it, like, basically a level of surprise, are you surprised that he's this much ahead of, like, an Olivia Rodrigo? Yeah, I'd say so. I think I'm, I'm surprised... On that front, I'm not surprised he is getting support because, unfortunately, and and I we both work in the country space. We both mm. there are amazing country musicians. There are amazing people who work in the country genre, but you can't sit here and not talk about the massive amount of racism that has 
been rampant in the genre. Yeah, and you can't deny and the historical background the of it. The historical background and its current fan base. Which is why I was very pleasantly which I, surprised when yeah, like which I'm not saying I'm not again to clarify, I'm not sitting here saying people who listen to country music are racist. However, you cannot ignore you cannot ignore that there is a huge market of racists in country music. Okay. Yeah, I think that, that makes sense. I think that's a fair take. And so I think it's that's why I was saying I was surprised when country basically kind of the big industry of it was like, nah, we're not dealing with this. Like all these big other than his record label, which I already went on. Are you rant. saying specifically in the beginning of like when specifically the in the beginning of the severity of it was insane to me because I was like pleasantly surprised because most of the time those businesses would would have right i thought it was i thought it was like you know one of those things where it was like you know some people have more of the hard take we're not going to support him some people don't and then these like companies would maybe i I, you know i feel like if this story happened 10 years ago it would have been like all these companies on the fence basically saying like we do not have a statement at this time or something that's what i imagine but to have so many of these big companies and like specifically country music condemn him so hard yeah outwardly was insane and i think it had to deal with like obviously the the politics at the time especially after george floyd and you know what was going on in the nation at that time so i felt like people don't remember this morgan wallen almost got canceled twice before this during covid when he uh deliberately went out and made out with fans during uh, during covid lockdown Right. And people don't remember that, but that was a huge deal. Yeah, he got was, kicked off an SNL for it. SNL brought him on, giving him a second chance. Mm-hmm. He he took that, I guess, W in his book and rolled with it. I personally don't agree with that. I think they should have made him an example and kicked him off completely. I don't think he should have been allowed on SNL this past season. But the fact is he was on it. He made his... He, he made his he he had like a, a second wave after that, right? Right. People f- forgave him, and then immediately afterwards, this footage of him coming out. Yeah, and I also there are a lot of rumors circulating about Wallen and his his uh, turmoil with alcoholism. Yeah, which I he does say I his apology. He, he does admit that. I think he is. I think he is. He is an alcoholic. But that does not take him but away from... But that does not take away from what he did. It does not take away from his actions. Yeah, it's... And I think he honestly, if we're being honest, if we're looking at the numbers here, he has not suffered the consequences of his actions. So the numbers are interesting to me specifically because I feel like people are going to gravitate more towards like one, two, three in terms of like dangerous, sour, and then justice for justice. I'm going to take that out of the equation. Uh, with dangerous <laughs> and... uh and, so, and sour. That, personally, I don't like saying it. So top, but. basically, I think it's interesting from looking at it from the perspective of the ratio of sales to streams. Mm-hmm. So we have 241,000 album sales to 2.3 billion audio streams from Wallen. And then Olivia Rodrigo is 146,000 to 1.5 billion streams. Do you see like... He has double, almost double the amount of album sales, and he has almost double the amount of streams. But the ratio between those two things in like album to album is so different because you're seeing Olivia Rodrigo's is kind of more towards the streaming side, 
And then his is, you know, heavily favored towards the album sales side. And I think that in my opinion shows more of the difference between the genres of people that are buying this mm-hmm. or re- actually yeah, right there. Absolutely. And the idea of buying a record versus That's- streaming a record. And I feel like it's important to note that difference there because I feel like the streaming numbers are way more important in terms of future longevity and the way it is now country is different from most traditional Mm -hmm. genres, right? Especially because it's based solely on country radio and album sales. Right. It has a heavily leaned. We're seeing them, you know, that community of country lovers coming into the streaming space, but it's still, surprisingly lopsided Mm -hmm. if you go and look up this kind of information about it. But I just find that insane is that the ratio between that is so different. Yeah. And so I think that that's kind of a sign of people who are outwardly supporting him by buying his record and then the types of demographics that are buying it versus streaming Mm -hmm. and the different types of people that would do it. So that's why I was saying... Well, I think it's interesting how these fans support him when he's literally not been in the public sphere. I haven't yeah. thought about him since he was canceled. Well, like, most people haven't. Right. And, and that's so, the thing. That shows how much... It's not only that these people are supporting him. It's it's that these people bought everything. And are mad for it. And are mad for because, it. Because, like, you know, and it's, it's And it's probably a minority of people that are... Like, if we're looking at the grand sphere I would of say fans, that there's a lot of... There's probably a lot of super fans that are in this group yeah. that are propelling kind of the streams. I would well, be surprised. Well, and it became a political thing. Right. When, I, when he got canceled, it became... Are you supporting canceling? Movement. Are you support you know, like yeah. all that stuff? And so people defiant, you know, some ridiculous thing, trying to defy public culture I mean, by so, supporting him. Wallen came out and said, don't support his record. Well, he said, he said, I right. will take... He basically said... I will take the consequences of my actions, which could mean a lot of open, a lot things. of open things, right? And then that was interesting because it seems like that he's doing okay. He has no gigs this summer, and he appears to have none in the future. He was on a Luke Bryan tour, was supposed to be, and then he got taken all off and was like, and then put a letter out to like his fans, basically being like, "I'm canceling all my summer gigs." Mm-hmm. So. I haven't seen anything about like him playing in the future, but it's not, you know, zero. Well, I remember seeing that on bands in town, looking at Bridgestone's lineups for the summer and being shocked. I was honestly very shocked that Morgan Wallen was on, on it at all. He, I think he was for a brief period of that Luke Bryan tour and then they took him off. He, or he exited himself, but he probably was like, it was probably a mutual way where it was like, I'm not going to cause this on your tour. You're causing too much PR stuff. It hasn't gone away enough to do this. And so like, it's interesting to me to see how he's trying to navigate it. And I mean, cause this is going to be the ultimate, one of the ultimate tests, I think of how public persuasion gets changed over time. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to listen to Morgan Wallen's album, you know, like let's say pre before he said that, like, well, you didn't know that he had these terrible things he was saying and doing and like, you're a fan. You were going to listen to it. I I'm think, interested. Are you going to change over time? Like you're going to be like, 
I have a different perspective on it now. Or time has, you know, that was two years ago. Give them another chance. I'm wondering if fans are going to do that. And especially in country music that has made a huge effort to be like, we are changing as a community. At least the, the country music uh, companies. But I have not seen that from the fans. See, that's what I'm interested in is that younger demographic of country listeners, really. Because I feel like if you were part of that with uh, blatantly so if you're part of an older generation that may be less for lack of a better term woke then you i yeah that makes sense for you i like i understand why you think that i don't like it but i understand why that's why i'm interested in this demographic that's maybe more of the we're more towards streaming now we want to be more well, towards technology we really care what cmt's doing if or we're cmas looking are at doing the genre as a whole, too, if we're looking at just the statistics of the country music genre, most of the money comes from older people in the genre. Yeah. Uh, most older people listen to country music. It's a make it or break it thing it's, right now for that genre. Yeah. Is, are they going to jump the ship? Well, exactly, because that's why it was a big deal. We said it before. I can't remember which episode, but we said we reported on um, that country music fans were jumping to streaming finally because they finally figured out how to use it. <laughs> so if that shows you kind of how behind behind the movement because the of everything demo's older. Is, yeah. it's because the demo is older and because a lot of older people prefer physical formats. Um, and if we're looking at political uh, leanings of young people versus older people, older people are more conservative. Right. It's and a natural fact that just kind of happens to a lot a of people. Humongous conservative political point that a lot of them felt the need to support. So See, I, I, I think it it is I think you're right about it being a catalyst for country music, especially with I'm glad to see that these companies are not buckling under the pressure of right. the fans and that they are they are standing their ground because sometimes you need to do that. Right. As a company, I think in my opinion, I think a lot of these country music companies that specialize in country music. And that can be all facets. We could talk about radio. We could talk about music videos. We could talk about award shows, anything. I think they realize that the idea of country music, having that space of demographic that they're missing, which is that younger demographic is more important. Yeah. And that's because it's going to be, it's going to be the money. And we've seen a lot of industry struggle with this is trying to take something that's associated with an older group of people and product Mm -hmm. and try to get, you know, the future of these organizations to have a future because they won't age out as fast of being able to buy their products. Do you think because of, and, and again, I don't want to turn this into a political podcast at all. But I think there are certain political things that need to be discussed because it impacts business. Right, it, it does. impacts the music industry. It's, a, it's the PR. It's the outward it's face the of the company. It's the PR that we're facing, but it's it also has to deal with a lot with how money is is made within the industry and if the general public is willing to put their money towards entertainment. Yeah, in that specific time or not. Do you think because of how insane the wage disparity is in this country that our generation is going to spend as much as the previous older generations when we are their age in I don't general think, or I the don't music we industry. Are. Well, I think in, in the inter- let's limit it to the entertainment industry. I would argue, I would, I would probably argue. Yes. I, and here's why I would argue. No, I would, what I'm saying by that is like, I'm saying I would argue they would spend probably the same because okay. I think there is an idea 
of escapism in a lot of this entertainment that in kind of people that are our age, a little bit older millennials and like even Gen Z that the idea is that like you can't have this in life that maybe the older generation had, but you can escape it. And that's what I feel like is really big in that spending. Do you think that we would even be able to spend as much because music was valued higher when they were younger I think than it is now. I think the music is valued. It's just not valued in the way of physical media or of the yeah, actual song itself. So when I'm moving, you think it's valued? So what same? I'm moving towards is I think the the music entertainment budget changes obviously based on generation and like, you know, consumer preferences. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with that I feel like it will increase in entertainment but the money will shift more towards things like live entertainment. Well, we're talking about live and I would say almost live experiences more. Mm -hmm. And I would almost go to say, you know, merchandising is a great example of things that have blown up compared to our previous generation. The idea of having, you know, like let's look at like a Kanye West, like a boutique kind of clothing line and being able to spend that money on that and willingly budget to do that from people who may not have as much money as you know they would like in their life basically is insane to me as an idea of marketing because you've almost gone out of the product of music you've gone to the sphere of products and music seems to be a lot more valuable in my opinion to a younger generation and i think that's why it will increase is because of my general theory of escapism from like what's going on in the world and life and going, and especially the idea of nostalgia in you know the world around us. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think that it'll go up because it, it's just not necessarily we're going to pay you know twenty dollars on an album. We're going to pay forty dollars for a sweatshirt. Yeah, I think that's okay. a different mentality. All right, I got you. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I didn't I didn't equate it to that, but that I think you make a valid point. It's amazing I, I the amount of products that exist today to surround versus, music versus that are not 20 years ago that versus 20 years ago, but also the amount of things that will exist in the future that we do not know about. If you told me about NFTs well, in 2010, yeah. no idea. Yeah. No, no, clue. I mean last year, no idea Right. <laughs> for me, at least personally. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month. No matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime, catch killer cases and more spine tingling shows on a and E crime central crave adventure, explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Well, Colin, what else we got? All right, here? let's talk about some Spotify stock drops, which apparently is like my go-to on this podcast for some reason. But I thought it was interesting because it's about podcasts. Heck yeah. And we may have an expertise hey, in that. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, You know, we're getting closer and closer to being a podcast about podcasts, and that's my dream. No, that's <laughs> not. But uh, Welcome to the Joe Rogan experience. Oh, God. Well, the Joe he, that Rogan got brought experience. up. So here we go. We got Spotify stock drops as analysts warn company must prove podcast strategy. So Spotify fell 6% on July 14th, and many are pointing fingers at Spotify's massive investment in podcasts with little return in sight. Spotify isn't alone as other streaming companies feel the heat for this as well, with Tencent Music falling 2.3% on that day, which Tencent is a huge, giant company. That is it based in China? It's based in China, and they have huge holdings in so many different things. They're huge on the world stage as compared to America, but I will add, Tencent owns a lot of things you do not think they own yeah so anyway spotify and many invested heavily in podcasting during the pandemic with an increase in podcasts listening and consumers so consumer listening went insane so starting year to year so from march 2019 to march 2020 there was a 23 percent increase year to year then this would increase over the next four months to be 72 percent year to year wow People were listening, 72%. That's insane. So, and that's according to PodTrack. But now year-to-year listening has fallen to a negative 16.5% in June. 
Hmm. which leaves many investors to question the profitability of these companies' heavy investments. And since so many companies invested in podcasts with a projected $1 billion being thrown into podcast companies over the last three years, many wonder, can they even see a return on investment on such a crazy amount of money to spend on podcasts because podcasts are really, you know, blooming. Yeah. And so Spotify has been praised basically compared to its competitors because it has a lack of gatekeeping a lot of their products. They want to try to make it easier to get podcasts and especially music. Yeah, they use Anchor. The, yes, Anchor, which we used for a pre- period of time. Mm-hmm. It was very easy. Not an advertisement for Anchor, but Anchor hit me up. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so Anchor was acquired by Spotify in 2019, and it makes it so easy to just you know go in there and upload it compared to one one of the comparisons was Apple because yeah. Apple is notoriously more difficult to upload music and podcasts on because it has they a have slower upload time. It has a slower upload time launch. and it's vetted more and like there's a lot of like having approvals. Weird. Yeah, and so it's definitely sorry, uh, sorry to Apple Apple listeners. Please rate us. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, and that that's kind of what I'm going to get into is that difference between the markets of podcasts, which I think is very different models. Mm -hmm. So first we have Spotify, which is open the door, come on in, upload your podcasts. But then their model on the back end is you have to pay for this. Like you have to stream, like you can have a free version of it, but with ads, but compared to Apple, which is you just own a phone. So you have Apple podcasts so you can have podcasting, and then the podcast can put ads in there, but we're not going to put ads in there. Mm-hmm. But then it's the opposite on the front end. It's harder to get into and it's more vetted, which is like weird, that kind of dichotomy that's there. It's like yeah. that seesaw, which I think is strange in terms of they're not converging at a point of being like, oh, this is how you do this business. They're like, we have two very different takes on like what's going on here. Yeah. I, I think if we look at the history of podcasting, right, I think, I mean, most most Americans, I would say, are Apple users, at least yeah, mobile. Yeah, by phone. By, by phone. phone. Yeah. And I, my first experience listening to podcasts was through Apple's podcasting app. And I think that's the majority of people's experience. It wasn't until very recently that we had podcasts on Spotify. Uh, I, I don't think we had podcasts on Spotify like four years ago, right? It definitely wasn't a front forward feature. You had to dig for it. Right. You had to was, really dig for it. And I now they've integrated it into the UI a lot better. And personally, I think the UI game is going to make or break whether a business is going to be successful in attracting more uh, investors mm-hmm. and even acquiring more money. Now, we've been seeing not only in the streaming space, but also in the driving space, companies like this, correct? Mm -hmm. Like where they just hemorrhage money and they don't have any sort of return yet at all. They're just banking on a return down the road. Which we had way back ago, we read an article that kind of made this comparison that Spotify is trying to use a Netflix model of acquiring all of this original content as a way to have exclusive content on Spotify mm-hmm. versus trying to license out 
you know, oh, let's say a podcast like a Joe Rogan, they go, no, 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 we'll pay you so much money to be exclusive. Yeah, like, which is which is a, a, a very smart business model because I think with podcasts especially, uh, it being exclusive is better than what we saw with how albums were exclusive. Right. I feel like time. the space of it is more palpable for consumers mm-hmm. to be like, this is exclusive as opposed to music. Music seems a little strange to be like, you can only listen to it here for a lot of people. Now people are going to pull a lot where they go like, well, we technically get a higher rate here. And, you know, obviously streaming is like nothing and money. So we're doing this as more of, you know, we're just trying to point our fans to this and then we make it a marketing thing about making more money. But that's like a few and far between thing. You just don't see people go like, we like Apple more Apple pod, you know, like we are Apple music. So I, that's, that's a good point is that it's, it's very much, maybe this is a very big long game in yeah. terms of that. I think it's interesting. I want to talk about, and they brought it up in here is that the pandemic listening habits have yeah. changed dramatically because of, I was wondering that because you would, you would assume with the drop, there would actually be an increase. So I think that this is my personal theory about it. I think in the pandemic, when you were at your house and you were trying to, you know, you're, you're not actively engaged. You're in your home all the time. You're looking at screens. You're hoping the screen can entertain you for a while, but you're at home. So you need to have like an active experience. And especially if you're missing a social experience, I think a podcast would be perfect to fill that. And so that's why I feel like that was such a big deal and increase during that point is that you got that social experience through a podcast kind of, you know, it's not a replacement, but it's still active. Like you actively have to be listening to it. Just like, you know, if you're watching a show, you're actually really interested in or something like that. And, but you could do other things at the same time. Yeah. So, but with a podcast, it's more, it's a bit passive, but also it's like in between, but it's more active than music. And Mm -hmm. so, which music can be active, but for a lot of people it's passive. So I would say that the other way now that it's going towards, you know, you're out and about, you want to go see your live shows. You want to get in the car and go somewhere. Well, you know, it's really hard to do in the car, concentrate on a podcast really hard and drive, which if you're I mean, to our driving viewers, I do that. <laughs> but like it's, that's when I listen to my, but podcast. it's more difficult than sitting at home and listening to a podcast. I, I, well, Okay, I, I see where you're coming from, but I do, think you, do you also theory. think maybe the de- the decrease was because people were at home and not because they had the time in the car that they usually like their morning commutes? So we like, saw, do you really have to think about your morning commute? So we like, saw, yeah, but like we saw a decrease in music f- for a while in terms of streaming, and then it kind of sparked back up, mm-hmm. and so I think like. And then it's the inverse for podcasts. It's like we had these four months where it was just increasing and then it's been going kind of down. And so maybe we saw that active, you know, I'm sick of listening to podcasts. Let's go back to music, you know, kind of bouncing back and forth. So maybe it's more of a balance between the two as opposed to like a hard thing that I'm kind of saying between active and passive. Mm -hmm. But I definitely think that they're different. I, I think at the very minimum, you have to agree that you have to be in a different kind of headspace when you want to listen to music versus a podcast, in my opinion, and that environmentally where you are has a big difference on that. So if you're driving versus you're at home, that's a big difference in change in like, you know what you're doing. So I feel like that's a big difference in what's going on. So I, I don't really know 
you know, I, I can't say, I don't think it's a bad investment. I, I think I've seen a couple people say like, oh, well, you know, Spotify. Well, do, do you, okay, so when Spotify fully changed their UI, I feel personally, and, and honestly, when they started investing, I think they invested too late in the podcast space. It I, is I also interesting how it's were, integrated into the app as opposed to a separate yeah, app. Yeah, it seemed to be integrated as soon as the boom already happened, in my opinion, in my view. Yeah, it was um, a little low in the ball. I could see that. Because like, now it's so competitive in the podcast. And space. that's what they brought up is that there's literally so many competitors that are investing in the space that yeah. like it's hard well, for and consumers Spotify. don't know where to go because there's so many choices now. So the idea is So that, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you. But. Right, exactly. But I think that it's I th- I think the main dogs here are Spotify and an Apple Music, Apple Music or an Apple podcast, but the reason why is because Apple Podcasts is ease of use due to most people having iPhones in America. I'm talking about, but then Spotify has more of a game in terms of it can be downloaded on any phone regardless. So there's not as much as a phone bias. Yeah. It's doing extremely well in music and so it seems an to, extra thing. Why not just have podcasts with it? Exactly. And it, and it offers a, a better space for creatives. I feel like than than Apple. Right. And then you have to pay for ads on top of it, which mm. is now the difference between Apple. pay scale wise, uh, payment of podcasts is a lot different than payment of music. But we're not going to get into that because right. that's, that's, that's a, a whole, whole thing in itself. But thing. that can also have an impact on whether or not it's uh, a good investment yeah. to go in. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... 
in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. So let's, I, let's, let's go into our main expertise and talk about highest paid. Highest paid musicians. musicians. Yeah. We're a music podcast, right? I mean... We're we're media. I say and media. Yeah, we got that. And Sorry, media you can in there. be mad as me as we want about podcast talk, but there's an and media. <laughs> Absolutely. So Billboard came out with a list of the highest paid musicians, and five of the top acts may be surprising to some. So I want what I want to do is I want to go through the lists and kind of discuss why each artist has been so successful and how they've been able to maintain the top paid slots. All right, let's. So do it. we're going to start at number five. Number five. Post Malone, total income is $29.7 million. Box office take home is $13.2 million. Streaming royalty estimate is $12 million. And global stream count, $10 billion. And this... With uh, a B, baby. Before we keep going, is this like of last year highest paid musicians? Yeah, I believe it's in like like a year, two year scale. But everything that I saw throughout the article listed 2020 as the main so they're just trying to make it like current yeah okay current list so even though the pandemic hit every artist hard post was able to make a good amount of touring income uh opposed to many other in the industry finishing up with 2020 coming in at number four of billboard's box score chart which is equivalent to 13.2 million dollar paycheck He's also racked up 5.6 billion streams domestically and 4.6 billion outside the US. Yeah. So a lot of cross uh like compatibility with his music. I mean, we know a bunch of people. Uh one of the friends friend of the show, uh also producer Mike D is a huge Posty fan. Uh shout out Mike if you're listening. Shout out to uh, another person my spouse is also a huge <laughs> Posty fan and yeah. by proxy I've listened but to it. No, I'm joking. A lot of people who weren't introduced to rap music actually got introduced with Post Malone. Which is interesting cuz he had a lot of you know, criticism in the beginning about him appropriating rap and I, all that stuff, and I have which friends. sounds so far away now. I have a, I have a bunch of friends, and I'm, I'm sure you have a bunch of friends too that hate Post Malone, right? I bet if I asked them, but I haven't been like, what you guys think of Post oh, Malone? Oh, I have a friend who I go to. He's the he's the rap music expert. His name is Will. Shout out Will if you're listening. Um, a shout and out show. he. He's he's honestly the guy I go to for new rap music because he's just on the vein every single time, um, and he hates Post Malone because of that reason. He th- he thinks he's appropriating the culture. He thinks he's just kind of uh, like abusing the genre. Um, whereas when I see Post Malone, I think of someone who's able to be a bridge for people discovering new music, mm-hmm. which I think is what seems to be most of the world thinks as well. So number four, BTS total income, $31.5 million box office take home. Uh, it says zero, but that's, Oh yeah, that's correct because the pandemic, I just realized yeah, <laughs> that happened. Streaming royalty estimate, $14.6 million and gro- global stream count, 17.3 million. 
$1.3 billion. So this shouldn't come as a surprise, as the Cake Pop Act has been, has been dominating American charts for over a year now and has earned $8.9 million in U.S. earnings, slightly more than 25% of its global take, and achieved 17.3 billion global streams, 9.8 billion in video, and 7.4 in audio, which is important. So making them the world's top streaming act in 2020. So top of all time streaming act of 2020. <laughs> so the reason the video and audio distinction is important is because BTS is known for their insane videos. Like if you're looking at these videos, the budgets are have to be incredible, right? They have to be, they might even be in the millions, which is nowadays insane to even think about as someone who makes music videos and has worked on high budget music videos that those are high 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 budget music videos garnering a lot of attention with that so I, yeah and i think it's insane like the thing about it is that bts the streaming numbers are just below everybody out of the water is even on the list and everybody else in the world but also i feel like bts does a the, probably the best job at anyone on the list of like having one of the like cleanest brands yeah. in terms, it feels, you know, obviously they're a band, they're very talented, you know, people, but it's like, they feel more like a brand in the way that they do their business compared to everyone else on the list. And it feels like less about, you know, oh, this is a like band of guys. It's like, mm -hmm. reminds me, you know, because they're a boy band back in the boy band craze where that difference of being like, yeah, you know, like Justin Timberlake is a member of the band. He's a very important part. He does the dance moves. He does all this stuff, but it feels like he's a part of the brand of, you know, that, that band as opposed in the same way with BTS where it's like everyone who's in there does a fantastic job, does it better than anybody, you know, pretty much in terms of dancing and singing and like actually working their ass off in that way. But it feels like they all come together to form this really powerful brand as opposed to, you know, what we think of like, Oh, this is somebody's band or this is like one person's like, vision or something yeah. well it's very collaborative uh it, each it seems like each member has it's their own job as yeah. well and it like you said it's a brand it also seems to be almost like their own label even though they have a label and they they take up what it was crazy it was like 80 percent of the i think it was about 90 percent of big like at the time when they were called big hit entertainment um, yeah, they, they took got about ninety percent of the yes, and now Scooter Braun works with them, which we yeah. covered on the show previously, which is uh, incredible to see. Which is also probably one of the reasons they uh, have it because and the only, each member has a stake in the in the company. Yes, I and one of the things that's also interesting is they are the only really big international, you know, non-Western act on this list. Mm -hmm. So that's Absolutely. a huge accomplishment for them as well. So number three, Billie Eilish, total income. 32.8 million box office take home, 1 million streaming royalty estimate, 13.6 million, and global stream count, 13.7 billion. So Grammy winner galore. <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm in that SNL bit of Bill Hader. Peace and love, peace and love. The album goes to you well, know. Not like, that that's a good one, but the one where it's favorite. like it's uh it's the guy where he's he's saying the club names. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to Grammy winner galore. Uh, but Grammy winner galore Billy has had a huge year in streaming numbers in 2020, achieving the second highest global numbers, 13.7 billion, translating to 13.6 million dollars, six million more than her domestic take. 
Her global sales also pushing her up the chart, boosting her to 14.7 million in US earnings and achieving $187 million internationally, which is just an insane number to think about. Yeah. As two people who will probably never see that. <laughs> well, knock on wood, we never. <laughs> right, know. exactly. Never know. I, you know, Billy has this interesting thing of she's the youngest person on the list by yes, far, absolutely. which is extremely impressive. She's had this super monolithic rise compared to also everyone on the list of literally having one album and like a couple singles drop. And then she's got this new one coming up, but like, that's such a little amount of material for the amount of like, she have one album. I thought she had two. And she's, I I can't remember if it just came out or it's coming out, but Mm -hmm. like she, you know, I mean, they were joking on TikTok. Billie Eilish was talking about like, she made that joke where, she was making fun of all these people that were like, oh, Billie Eilish has flopped. And she basically like flips off the camera and makes a joke. Yeah, yeah, but like, that. yeah, I mean, she just has this. She obviously has not flopped now financially. Right? This That's is sure. like, we should just point to this section of the our article if she wants, you know, some proof, but like, yeah, I mean, she's doing incredibly well and she has the longest career at anyone because she's the youngest mm-hmm. in it. And it's just starting, which is, crazy i mean it wouldn't surprise me if she did a giant usurped and went up a couple numbers on this list exactly i i actually think personally i think olivia rodrigo is going to be on this list within the next couple years well she can't do it this year because she can't tour because of uh television engagements oh really no she can't tour at all this year wow i didn't know that yeah she can't and so that's crazy there's a big thing up in the air about because of if you know obviously we talk about album life cycles here uh, Olivia's life cycle of that album will it carry over? You know, hypothetically enough to support? Oh yes, to full capacity. I think so. Yeah, but imagine if it was she had a show next week as opposed to a well, year. Well, yeah, now. but I think I think she's going to be selling out arenas next year. She can sell out arenas, but she could have she could have sold out three arenas a week because of how big True. she was. That's the difference. True. And so, and then it's also if she releases other music for it, then yeah. that's going to put that up into play. Well, speaking of selling out arenas, Taylor Swift, number two, total income, $41.4 million. Box, box office take home, $0. Zero. <laughs> Streaming royalty estimate, $19.8 million. And global stream count, $11.6 billion. So this is going to be interesting to you, Colin, because I think uh, this ties a lot into uh, currently what her albums legally are implicated in and what mm. is happening and how she is displaying herself now. So because of her ownership over the two post-Big Machine albums she released last year, Folklore and Evermore, she takes home around 46% of her sales and streaming revenue, which is about $19.8 million she earned from 11.6 billion global streams, boosting her income to $41.4 million. So 75% more than her domestic take of $23.8 million. So she is definitely making this money globally, not just in the U.S., yeah, and we have a huge jump in numbers here too. I mean, we're seeing, you know, in the last three spots, spots with Billy and BTS and Post Malone, we were around the 30 millions. Mm-hmm. And Taylor has jumped up a clean 10 million compared yeah, to that, which absolutely. is, you know, kind of shows her power. I think I'm I'm wondering how her her re-records are going to are going to do with this. 
I, and I, if it's gonna if it's gonna be just as big, it's probably not gonna be as big as like a new album. Yeah, I think the newer albums are probably the strongest. Um, she's definitely doing exceptionally well for an artist this seasoned as she is compared to especially the other people on the list mm-hmm. uh, that we've seen so far. And uh, she she's you know I've talked about it multiple times. Taylor's team is incredibly smart. They know how to take this PR and anything and make it into a great moment for Taylor, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah, which is like such a huge deal. And Taylor has this ability again to have such a strong brand and for people to recognize that and to do those smart business moves together. So like, you know, she's very unstoppable in that fact. And, you know, she's like in her thirties now, but like, as we're going to see later, uh, seasoned veteran, you know, musicians and legacy acts do exceptionally well. Yes. And drum roll, please. Number one, queen. Yes, you heard that right. The band Queen is the highest earning act of 2020. Total income, $48.7 million. Box office take home, $15.1 million. Streaming royalty estimate, $15.2 million. And global stream count, 7 billion. 7 billion streams. Yeah. Insane. So because of this act's recording agreement and their very strong streaming numbers pre-pandemic and post, the act was able to secure the number one spot. And this is the definition of what an evergreen act is. Even though they don't have to do much, but uh, like basically just be legendary, right? Yeah. They're going to get extremely strong sync placement as well as being rooted in American media and culture and global media and culture. They already have a brand that's so strong. So it comes down to, you know, maintaining that. And part of that is smart marketing, but part of it's already been done. You know, I think is, too, the, this impacted what I think this, the reason they're so high up too is honestly because of the movie. I think the movie had a bigger impact. I than think what the movie did. And I also think that with these kind of legacy acts, the take-home box office value is insane uh, because the tickets are so exorbitant. Yeah. And so especially, you know, you get into these tickets for, let's say, everybody else on the list, and there's kind of more affordable options. And then a lot of these really big legacy acts, we're talking about a Queen, we're talking about an Elton John, less so a Celine Dion, but still... It's like you get to this point where the bottom ticket is four hundred dollars. You know what I mean? And like because they're trying to expand their brand and keep their, you know, career to get up to the level of a queen, these other younger artists are like, We cannot do this yet. Like you cannot pull this because it's gonna be negative for our brand and my brand still has to go on for forty to fifty years and hopefully I can get to this kind of queen status of doing it. And What's insane is that, you know, obviously Freddie Mercury has been passed away for so long that Adam Adam Lambert just walked in and people are like, all right. Yeah. Which is like... And people are willing to pay the money. Right. Which is them. a rare thing compared to a lot of other acts that have, you know, the front face of the band pass away. And then it's over. And then it's over point. or, you know, at least seems more diminished. So... Well, it also, you could argue the reason they're so big is because he passed away. Yeah, I mean, you could totally argue that, and especially with the movie and like all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I definitely, the thing is, is that you have to think about that Queen 
this is their like super, you know, they've been a big band, but like this is their super time to make as much money as they can. Yeah. Because like all of them are getting older in life. So like they're just, probably like, going to stop touring. Pretty yeah. Soon. They're going to stop touring or, you know, worse, something might happen to one of them. Mm-hmm. So like this is the time that you hopefully, if you're, you know, a middle artist of the road artist or you're just a beginning artist that you build up a brand strong enough that when you get this old, you can basically just do whatever you want. And then you make like 15.1 million for playing your songs for what, like three or four months before yeah. the pandemic started and then sign them and then make money too. Yeah. And you know? so it's that easy, just sign an evergreen act. You know? And then the last thing I was going to say is like, you know, they're so prolific that their streams just don't, don't matter in terms of like, you know, being that far off from a Taylor Swift or anything like that because mm-hmm. they've already established themselves. Yep. So even though they're at seven billion, yeah, I guess I did kind of overhype the seven billion. Yeah. Looking yeah, at they're at seven numbers. billion, <laughs> and then Post Malone is at ten billion. I mean, but people Post are still buying see, buying the records, right? And because there's so much the in pop culture that it's like it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Like as well, long as you don't, as long as you don't come up and say like you know an a ruining event you know in your career say something crazy on stage or anything but you mean like morgan wallen right so <laughs> i mean even then it's like they got enough clout so maybe they can skirt it yeah that's even, even then that's how powerful they are yeah, so absolutely well speaking of uh music <laughs> yeah remember that um remember music what have you been listening to colin oh man this is a bad question for me uh Let's see. I have been listening. You got oh, that Frank Zappa. Yeah, I do like Frank Zappa. Which we a talked lot. about. This yeah, week. most. I have a love hate relationship with Zappa because I really like his music, and then he. But he's a gnarly guy. Yeah, he is the pinnacle of troll in terms of like what a troll could have been in the seventies, eighties, and sixties. Mm-hmm. It's like he has such progressive takes on things, and then he just points and picks at something that's so inappropriate that like, you know, this is a guy that cusses on his own podcast this is a guy who makes, you know, all these kind of jokes. But like at the end of the day, even myself, I'm like, this is too far. Like, yeah. and so I just love it for that. But man, it's, it's rough. If you want to listen to some good stuff, uh, I, his pinnacle album is Joe's garage, which if you want my own example of going too far, look at the cover of the album. Yes. And I, you will see why I was, appalled when you showed me this album yeah, cover. Yeah, dude. It's literally, and, and you know, it's crazy because when you look at the album cover, he, the album cover literally has him in blackface. And I'm like, oh my God. Mm. Like, I cannot believe, and I was like, looking up on the internet. I was like, how is, have we talked about this? Like, internet? Like, is there anything? Nobody mentions anything about it. And it's, it's probably weird cause because he... No one remembers. Well, it's also weird because he was very big in like, you know, civil rights at the same time. He had one of the big, he had a big, uh, integrated band, one of the first really big integrated bands in the sixties. And then he also had a bunch of songs about the perils of racism and why it's bad and terrible. But this is a perfect example of him just trying to push the envelope because he could push the envelope one step forward, two steps, back, right? Basically. Yeah. It's, weird (laughs) but that's what if you're not coming to zappa for weird what are you coming for yeah well i've been listening to i've been on a nostalgia trip uh colin you showed me a band that i love called the new radicals so yeah i've been listening to them a lot joe biden's favorite (laughs) yeah but is it joe biden's favorite yeah his uh son who sadly passed away from cancer that was his favorite album and then they played for the first time in like 20 years at the inauguration that's i didn't know that that's crazy yeah um, I've also been listening to Weezer 
Blue Album. Thank you. Yeah, because Joe's and Troublemaker. I love Joe's Troublemaker. an elitist. Yes, uh, and then Fru Fru, which no one remembers. Fru Fru. I don't know, what but Fru-Fru she is, is amazing, and you should absolutely, specifically check out Breathe In because that's an amazing song. So, but uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and um, I guess we'll see you next week, right, Colin? We can hope. Maybe something bad will happen to us. Who knows? (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening again. Be sure to download or rate us or send us an email at thebiztapepodcast at gmail.com. We love your hot takes, your questions. Uh, We love fan mail. Um, Maybe eventually we'll set up a P.O. box where we can get some uh, goodies. I'd, I'd love some cupcakes. What about you, Colin? Oh, wow. You're pulling me into this? I yeah, I am. Out of the Absolutely. Intro. Okay. No cupcakes. <laughs> no. It's going on way too long. <laughs>